This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. No, I love White Snake. You know that, Lewis. Here I go again, White Snake. So, was this the song where the uh, the hot one who used to bang O.J. Simpson, then she beat up Hall of Fame pitcher, no, actually All Star pitcher, her husband Chuck Finley with a pair of shoes? <laughs> you knew you'd have the pitcher's name right there. Yeah, Chuck Finley. She beat him up. She uh, took her heel into his head or yes, something. She, she was him. on the on the uh, hood of the Corvette. Was that this song? Yeah. What was that psycho's one. name again? She was pretty, but a psycho. Uh, oh, hold on. Kate. Kate uh, oh, you got to know this. Come on. Um, she used to bang O.J. All right. You're yelling at me. One I'm of gonna... the one of the uh, many white pretty girls that O.J. Simpson uh, got to bang. Including the one he killed. I'm not going to look it up. I'm going to. Yeah, you're going to have to know this. She was married to Chuck. Tony Katane. Tony Katane. Very good. Look at you. <laughs> uh, today's God. a big day in the in the Rosenberg family. Useless information. <laughs> yeah, here Post we go again. Lou Rapino report. <laughs> Before I get to the great New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin, who's as good as anybody in the country. In fact, the New York Post has the two best writers in the country. Not even close. Michael Goodwin and Miranda Devine. So um, I've got three sisters. My baby sister, Elizabeth, baby sister, she's like 50, 55, 55. But uh, she's my baby sister, and she lives in uh, a lovely place, Parkland, Florida. Then I've got my sister, Ray Sherry. You hear about her and Albert quite a bit. I lived with them for a while in Brooklyn when I first came back to New York in 2016. And then you hear about my older sister a lot. <laughs> that is Alana and uh, Alana and Harry and their beautiful family. Uh, today is my sister Alana's birthday. And she's listening right now. I believe she's in Florida. She spends time in, in New City as well with her beautiful daughter. But uh, my niece, Tamara. But wherever she is and listening right now, I want to wish my oldest sister, Alana, who I love very much, a very happy, healthy, and enjoyable birthday. And uh, Harry's birthday, her husband, was uh, two days ago. He's on the 20th, and Alana is on the 22nd. So happy birthday to both of you, Alana and Harry, and I love you both. But let's get to uh, Michael Goodwin, uh, Michael's last couple of columns. This is where Alana shuts the show off. <laughs> She's like, I love you, brother. Thank you. I got to go now because uh, Michael has been going off on Joe Biden like I do every day. Uh, Michael, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, sir. Thank you. Uh, reading your columns lately bring me such incredible joy. 
<laughs> I can't begin to tell you. And 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 only so you're because, not alone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, only because you're telling the truth. I mean, look, uh, you know, you you know, you tried. I mean, you tried, right? You you really and you did the same thing with Eric Adams. And I give you a lot of credit because you know you go into this with an open mind, and you know you really thought, in fact, that Eric would be a, a terrific mayor. But when they do something wrong, whether it's Adams with the migrants or Biden with the Israelis, you are quick to criticize, which you should do. That's your job. That's why you're great at your job. And lately, Biden has done nothing right. I mean nothing right in the Israeli situation. Yes or no? Oh, you're right. But I, I, let, me, let me just talk for a second, if I could, because I think it's an interesting point you're making, Sid, about supporting someone as a journalist and then criticizing them. You know, when I was the editorial page editor of the Daily News, Mort Zuckerman was the owner. And we had endorsed Rudy Giuliani in 1993, and yet we soon found ourselves in all kinds of squabbles with him on the editorial page, but also in the, in the news section. And we wrote one very tough editor one time, and Mort Zuckerman, the owner, who's still alive, though, um, said to me, look, um, I agree with you on this editorial, but the point is, the larger point is that we supported him, and he's got lots and lots of critics who hate him and who, would, who didn't support him. Let's be careful that we don't become indistinguishable from the people who hate him and who never would have supported him in the first place. And I've always remembered that guidance because I think it, it, it informs me today that when you've supported someone, you give them a little extra room, a little extra space, a few more extra chances. But after a point, you no longer are compelled to do that. At some point, when they continue to sort of fix what is clearly broken, when they go down a path that isn't working and won't stop, then, then you have a duty to your readers and to yourself to be honest about how you, how you now view them, the changes that you have gone through uh, to where you are. And that's sort of how I would say about most politicians. Uh, with, with Biden, I did not vote for him. I, I always thought he'd be a terrible president, but he is president. And so you have to give him a little bit of leeway. He does have powers that, that you may not agree with, but that he is the president and he enjoys the office. I mean, it's not something the, the media ever gave Donald Trump the same runway. Uh, he was dead from day one as far as they were concerned, just a matter of how they were going to impeach him. Uh, nonetheless, I do think that we've reached a, a, a tipping point with Biden on Israel. This is this has changed dramatically. He is now no longer really supporting Israel. I mean, he's still in some ways saying enough things that he's not completely cutting them off. But the but betrayal anybody. at the United Nations yep. is, I think, really yep. telling. Yep. It yep. is the most important part of what he's doing now. You know, I was given an award a couple of weeks ago, talking about the United Nations, at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, Mike. And um, ironically, the guy that gave me the award, it's a very prestigious award. It's called the Guardians of Israel. The guy that gave me the award is actually the U.N. ambassador to Israel, Gilad Erdan. And, mm -hmm. um, and he's furious at Biden. He's furious with the whole administration. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has made decisions and statements based upon two things. His relationship with Iran, and whether I use the word complicit or not doesn't matter, we both agree that in two administrations it's part of the problem. 
And now he's making decisions based on votes. He is so deathly afraid he's not going to carry Dearborn, Michigan, or some Somalia neighborhood in Minnesota, that he's willing to put Bibi Netanyahu on the fire to get votes in a state like Michigan. That is grotesque at a time like this. Absolutely. And it, it, it is, it, leave aside Israel for a second, the, the, the moral imperative, the national security of America is very much tied to Israel. We're not dependent on them, but they're on our side, and we are on their side. And, and, and Iran is the focus of all of this, as you say. And it, to, or to the Iranian government, uh, Israel is the little Satan. America is the great Satan. So when you begin to play around with Israel's existence, Apart from the morality of that, you are playing around with America's existence. You are the commander-in-chief. You can't do that. And yet, by refusing to take on Iran, by, by refusing to admit what Hamas is and to let Israel finish them, you, you are now playing into Iran's hands. You are all this stuff about, you know, the tactical responses to all of these attacks, all these were carried out by groups funded and affiliated with Iran. All these attacks on American uh, bases in Iraq, in Syria, the Houthis, the Hamas, Hezbollah, these are all Iranian groups. They are all funded by Iran. They are all trying to carry out the mission of Iran, which is to eliminate Israel, to eliminate the great Satan, and to take over its regional dominance first, and then its world dominance. That's their plan. As nutty as it sounds, they are doing what they can yep. to carry it out. And we cannot tolerate it. We can't, I'm not saying we should, we should invite a war, but we have to do more than, than hit them back on the toe with a, with a small hammer. Well, let me ask you we this. have to let them know, stop it. Right, and so, we have to show them there will be a giant penalty, not a right. tit for tat. I agree. So let me ask you this. One of the things that Donald Trump did, one of the many things he did very well was, when he was in power, Iran was dead. They had nothing. You know, he actually imposed 1,500 sanctions on Iran, almost a sanction a day. And and you want to talk about payback, he blew Soleimani into a 1,000 pieces. So outside of killing a guy like Soleimani, why wouldn't at the very least Biden and America consider dropping a bomb on their oil fields? hitting them right in the wallet, which Donald Trump did, and rendered them, for years, impotent. Yes. Well, uh, two quick points. One is that the Times had a story the other day how much oil that is illegally getting shipped around the world from Iran to to ports around the world. Russia, China, Uh, all of them, billions of dollars. I mean, if the Times found this out, certainly the government knows, and it did nothing about it. The second point about what Trump did and what Biden won't do, just think of two things. When he did that, Biden said, I wouldn't have done that. He condemned it, right? He condemned when Trump took out Soleimani. He also said, remember, he would not have gone after Osama bin Laden. Yes. Right? So this is a guy who doesn't know how to do this. 
He's, he's always afraid of escalation, and he should be afraid of escalation, but he should not be paralyzed by that. He, that's what he has a military for, to figure out how we can do a significant thing that will really stop them without leading to World War III. He, but he doesn't even think. It's like he makes all the decisions. Look at the <laughs> withdrawal from Afghanistan. The military told him, don't do it that way. He did it anyway. Yeah. I mean, he just always knows best. He and uh, Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, I mean, they are really the gang that can't shoot straight. Oh, the great Jimmy Breslin. That was a great book about the Gallo brothers. And you're right. That's what they are. And Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Thirteen soldiers ended up dying in Afghanistan. And you can include Lloyd Austin, Millie, all these guys. This is sure. the most inept administration in the history of the world. And yet what's annoying me a little bit, Michael, is... When the special counsel comes out a couple of weeks ago and goes, here's the deal. He's not a bad guy. You know, he's old. He's old. He forgets. You know, so they almost made him sound like your loving grandfather living in, you know, Delray or Pompano Beach who's suffering from dementia, who's not a bad guy. And I'm here to tell you, Joe Biden, and I don't care if you agree or disagree, you're entitled. He's a bad guy. He's corrupt. I am still convinced that him, his brother Jimmy, and his son Hunter, they've made millions of dollars. He has destroyed this country by some of his moves, which again continues to show how little he cares about Israel. So he's not just some old, doddering, old man, deservant of our sympathy. And my feeling is, based upon these latest reports, too many people are quick to feel badly for the guy. Not me. He's a bad guy. Oh, I agree with you uh, on that. Um, I think that the the corruption that he did to, to me, Sid, one of the one of the things of the corruption with the family and all that. And yet, on the other hand, this pretending to be the, the boy from Scranton and the lunch pail senator and all of that. Um, it's cynicism. There's a deep, deep cynicism about him that you go out to the public and you put on this face, but privately you throw down the hammer and say, we need the money. Take the money, son. Get the money, son. Come on, Jim Biden. Get out there and make some money for the family. That, to me, is the ultimate kind of cynicism, preaching virtue and practicing vice. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think is despicable in, in, in a man who is now leading this country and supposedly the free world. I mean, the, the, there's a hollow center there. I think a heartlessness a cynicism, you know, this don't screw with and nobody screws with the Biden family. It's like a gangster talk. <laughs> it really is. So on the way out in the final, I don't know, 90 seconds, here is a Biden garnering all this sympathy. Yet the guy, and I know he's not a sympathetic figure. He's a good friend of mine. I'm going down to see him in two weeks, Donald Trump. He's not necessarily a quote unquote sympathetic figure. But what they've done to this guy, like you mentioned, you talked about it, Michael, for the better part of seven years, from the day he got on the escalator, they've been relentless. Ninety percent of the media lying, beating him up. This latest thing with Letitia James, i got to ask you, you've been the, the number one writer at the number one paper for a long time. 
Have you ever seen anything more despicable than what Letitia James and this New York State just did to Donald Trump? No, I mean, it's it's really hard to uh, see that uh, any any comparison to the weaponization of government power for political purposes. And, you know, Sid, I mean, it, it's on one hand, we should be used to it. I mean, January 6th, the way that was weaponized for the Democrats, many people getting very harsh prison sentences for crimes that are nowhere near the murder and things that Alvin Bragg... And by the way, to your, point, to your point, some of those people are still in prison. Some of those people are still in solitary confinement for putting yeah. their feet up on somebody's desk. And you've had Democrats compare January 6th to 9-11. That's all you need to know. Yeah, well, and, and with Letitia James, uh, she campaigned on getting Donald Trump. So I think in many ways, this is the most egregious abuse of power, because this is what she said she would do on the campaign trail, and this is what she has done in office. Now, I mean, the, the two things are shocking in separate ways, right? That she would campaign on getting an individual and then publicly go into office, do it, go to this this. Uh, you know, show trial that was held over the the civil forfeiture and sit there every day and then come out and make comments. I mean, the whole thing, no jury. Uh, the judge finds he is liable for fraud before the, the testimony even begins. Correct. I mean, the whole thing just feels like a kangaroo court. And it's the sort of thing that America said doesn't happen in America. Right. I mean, I ask you this. I mean, right, when you when you go into a courtroom, whether it's a crime on the street or, in this case, a white-collar crime, what's the one thing there always is? The answer is a victim. Okay. Well, the banks made tons of money on interest. They never complained. No. He, they, they, they have his Mar-a-Lago estate at $18 million. It's worth about $400 million. So how can you possibly have a ruling like this when there is no victim? How? And, and she continues, I'm going to confiscate the buildings if he doesn't uh, start to pay. I mean, it's, it's a ruthless approach that she has taken, and this is what the Democratic Party has been doing. I mean, just think of this too, Sid. I know it's somewhat extraneous, but there are at least 12 states where there were efforts to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> and they say he's going to destroy democracy. <laughs> What's more uh, undemocratic, if that's a word, than that, right? I mean, yeah. beat them beat on election day in these courts. And thank God it'll never happen because that's why we have a Supreme Court in place. But, boy, are you right. He's going to destroy democracy, but the Democrats want to keep him off the ballot. I mean, it's, it's laughable. It really is. Yeah, we have to protect democracy by not letting people vote <laughs> for the person of their choice. Uh, but let me tell you, when it's all said and done, Mike, you got another book coming one day. It's going to be great. <laughs> I love you, pal. It's a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael Goodwin. My pleasure. Thank you. Really you really are great. He is great. That is a terrific conversation, and that's why he's the best. New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin.